Welcome back, everyone. I'm Gabe Arnold, uh, founder and CEO of Business Marketing Engine. And today on my podcast, Today's Business Leaders, um, I'm really excited to have a good friend of mine, Paul Edwards, on. Um, he's somebody that I consider to be uh, a philosopher and somebody that really thinks about life at a deep level. And so we've connected on that front in many conversations. On top of that, he's a successful entrepreneur that has learned a lot over the years. And so I'm really excited to hear his story. So stay tuned and we're going to have a wonderful conversation. So welcome to the show, Paul. I'm, I've been looking forward to this all week. So thanks for being here. I'm. Uh, it's a, it's a privilege. Thanks so much for having me, my friend. It's so good to see you again. And uh, I, I have a question. I think I think you might be able to answer this. I ask it of people I I really admire and get along with, and I like to ask, yeah. how is your soul? <laughs> my soul is really good right now, and I like that question. <laughs> it's been yeah. a, a great season of contribution, and I feel like. After years of trying to figure it out, I feel like I'm in a season where I'm doing the right work and I'm really, really enjoying life. So that's an excellent mm. question. And I always like when people flip around my interviews and interview me. So I appreciate that. <laughs> cool. It's good um, to have it's good to occasionally have someone who's curious about you and not just the other way around. I found Yeah, I would agree. And you're somebody that I find to be incredibly intentional. You're a really effective communicator. Um, you show up with the same calm presence and kindness in all spaces that you communicate. And that's something admirable. And just, I have a ton of respect for you. And that's why one of the reasons why I really looked forward to this. Um, we've been connected for a, a couple of years now. And I want to dive into your story and, and learn a little bit more about you. And we'll uncover your brilliance and who you are. Um, and I, everyone that's listening in, I just highly encourage you to, to follow Paul. And we'll share some more resources and where you can connect with him. But He's somebody I really respect and admire. And so um, as we kind of dive into this fall, I'm curious, uh, when did you first realize that you're an entrepreneur? <clears throat> uh, you know how you um, you realize it at bits and pieces before you ever actually do it. And I think even for the first couple of years that I was doing it, it was sort of, uh, I don't want to use the phrase fake it till you make it. Yeah, but you know, objectively, the, I wasn't making any money. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's always the true test. I think it's actually a, a really indicative test, and not because of do you have not not in a binary sense do you have money or don't you? The question is, right. are you serving your fellow human beings to the point that they value what you do, <clears throat> so that they will open up their wallets and say, "Here, take my money. I need what you what you offer." Yeah. That is a that's a whole different question. That's I'm I'm I find that so vastly preferable. Yeah. To uh, are you the most popular? Are you the most trendy? Do you have the best, um, you know, hooks or advertising? I mean, all that's important, but you know, right. it's it's secondary. The real question is: Are you bringing something valuable that people will pay for? Yeah. So I didn't have that, but I long before I ever took up the mantle, I understood. Um, you can't sit around and wait 
to be told or offered everything. You've got to yeah. go out and provide leadership. So I guess you could say like one of one example of this is when I was <clears throat> growing up in Southern California, this is shortly after Wayne Gretzky had come from the Edmonton Oilers to the Kings. Mm -hmm. And I had come from Edmonton to Los Angeles. I'm originally from Edmonton. Nice. <clears throat> and uh, roller hockey was taking off. I knew the game backwards and forwards. I could play it. I just didn't, I complained to my dad one time. I said, I don't, I don't really have any leagues or anything around here. They got, you know, it's still kind of disorganized. And he said, well, why don't you start up a, a weekly pickup game with all your buddies from school who are into it? Yeah. And I said, I, I'm 11 years old, right? And I'm like, um, what do I do? And he said, well, you, you get on the phone and you call them. And then whoever says they're coming, you pick two teams, you set up two nets and you go play a game, you know? <laughs> Don't overthink and, it, right? <laughs> right. And um, I've never, you know, I've never forgotten that lesson because I did and it started to take off and then my friends would invite their friends and we got into a weekly habit, you know, where I just made a bunch of phone calls, picked two teams, and then we would, we would play every, you, you could play almost year round in Southern California, right? Yeah. Out, out there, so. <laughs> Yeah. Unless it was raining, we were out there playing, and I've never forgotten that I, if if something needs starting, I know how to just go out there and start pushing buttons, you know, and making stuff work. So, yeah. bit of a long answer there, but there you go. <laughs> no, that that's excellent. That's great advice. I always tell people, you know, look behind you. Is anybody standing behind you? Nope. You're the guy. You're the gal. <laughs> if you yeah. want this, you got to do it. And that's such an amazing lesson that your dad taught you because. No, I don't, I don't think I've ever met a leader who honestly told me, oh yeah, I had the whole plan figured out. I knew what we were going to do step-by-step. Step. I knew exactly when and how we were going to get there. Most oh, people, yeah. yeah, most people you know, are just like, I'm willing to start and take the first step and figure it out as we go. And so that's more, probably a more accurate description than the phrase that you said. And we all throw around of like, fake it till you make it. It's actually like, take action until you figure out, you know, the rest of the steps, like just, you know, take the first step. And, and move mm. forward. Yeah, that's definitely, definitely a lot yeah. of truth there. Yeah. So at 11, you start to understand how to be a leader with hockey, which is awesome. I'm a huge hockey fan. So that's awesome. Um, and wh what, where did that lead you? Like, you know, today, um, you know, you, you've run your business, um, you're an entrepreneur and you know, you're an entrepreneur. What were the steps between 11 and, and now that kind of led you to where you are? I think, you know, things like that carry forward into um, what I write about in my book, um, Influencer Networking Secrets. Uh, I, I wasn't really consciously aware that this was happening at the time. I was just trying to make a living. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> so I, I, I entered my 30s wanting to get into radio and broadcasting, right? Everybody's like, oh, you got the voice, you got all the, you know, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I couldn't <laughs> make it work. Yeah. <clears throat> and I had to get a job. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm now married. I got two kids and a mortgage and all that kind of stuff. And so I said, um, I, I, I found, uh, an opportunity to work in the insurance business and I'd had no connection to it. Didn't know anything about it. Was dad wasn't an insurance agent. None of that. Yeah. I get into this business and the first thing I discover is nobody wants to talk about the product that I'm selling. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> it is about as unsexy as you can get. Uh, it's confusing. 
it, it there's a lot of cynicism about it yeah um, there's a caricature you know groundhog day ned ryerson you know that kind of thing <laughs> and um and i'm like i'm sitting here thinking well if i can't talk about insurance what can i talk about but it it, it wasn't long after that that i began to see oh there's plenty to talk about um mm -hmm. because i had read books like um carnegie you know the how to win friends and influence people mm -hmm. and so i just i said well instead of talking i'm just going to listen to what people are talking about yeah and I'm going to try and figure out if I can make the conversation about stuff that they're preoccupied with. And, mm -hmm. you know, you're amid a group of business owners. It doesn't take long to figure out some of the real basics. You know, I can't get enough customers in my doors. I can't get my message out there. I can't, uh, you know, I can't do this. I can't do that. I don't know how to, I don't know how to do this part of business. I don't, I need somebody who can refer me this type of client. What it all, what it all pointed to for me, Gabe, was that I could be, Insurance could be the grease for the skids, right? Yeah. That would keep keep me paying the bills and supporting my family. But what yeah. I could really do for people was become sort of a hub of connections, introductions, and information. Hmm. Um, I, I had this ability from the leadership principle that I had learned, you know, starting the hockey game. Yeah. to not wait until people did things for me. I would just go and do things for them without an expectation of return, but yeah. with a simultaneous knowledge that it would, what goes around comes around, right? Yeah. And so I would go and I would teach, you know, I'd go to, I went to a conference full of realtors, you know, a multiple listing sales group that met here. And I got wind of the fact that they were planning to uh, rework the national flood insurance act and I could immediately make the connection. Well, that's going to torpedo a lot of real estate deals that people have going on. So I did a, yeah. instead of doing a webinar, a, a presentation about insurance, I did a, about the kind of insurance I was selling. I did a presentation about this flood insurance thing is going to change and it might affect deals you have going on, particularly in the flood zones nearby where we live. So <laughs> yeah, under guard and people yeah. like, whoa, whoa, that was really helpful. And they started responding to me. And so as long as I stayed focused on what was preeminently on the mind of the people I was interacting with. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't have to worry about my phone ringing or my email buzzing saying, can you help me with insurance? Because I recruited what I called my own unpaid sales force. Yeah. You know, you hear about quiet quitting. Well, I do quiet hiring. I, I have people <laughs> working for me who don't know they're working for me. Right. That's awesome. <laughs> And yeah. so I just, you know, I, I said, um, you know, I'd sit there in the office working on something for a nonprofit board that I was on and my phone would ring because I was so busy concentrating on helping each person that I came in contact with get what they wanted that it had to come back around uh, to bless me on the yeah. on the other end of the circle, regardless of it, it, it's not something I could engineer or manipulate, but it was right. something that happened. Yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant. And I, I like how you started out in the beginning, like talking about money is the measurement of value, but it is not the value. You know, it's like it's 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 one of the simplest ways, at least we can measure value in our current society. Right. So it's yep. like um, I saw something the other day, you know, I get it. I, I think we've all done these things, too. So I'm not you know, it's not from a place of judgment. I saw somebody the other day post and say, like, what's your biggest cash collected, you know, on a single day? Mm -hmm. And I started reading the comments because I was curious and interested. And I realized like 
there was no value in the whole conversation going on. It's like, cool, like you collected X thousand or, you know, some people said they collected a million a day. And I'm like, that's awesome. But like, mm -hmm. it's money. It's here. It's gone. Like, we should put it to work when we have it. Sometimes it disappears. <laughs> like, it's just money. Mm -hmm. um, yep. And I was like, and then somebody commented and they said, how about how many people's lives you've impacted in a single day? And mm -hmm. they was like, and they got, you know, they basically got made fun of for that. And I was like, oh my God, like, I'm glad I didn't engage in this conversation because if, if our focus is just how much can I collect, how much can I take, how much can I, you know, take away from this, then that becomes a super shallow existence. Um, and, oh, yeah. and for any entrepreneur that started a business that said, I'm starting this business so I can become a millionaire. It's, it's such a short run. Like, cause there's no fuel, there's no drive. There's no way you're going to make your million dollars and be happy with yourself. If you do even make it, um, compared to like, the people that say, man, I identified this need, just like you talked about, like, oh man, there's this new, there's this new change with flood insurance. So like, I'm just going to help these people solve it. And of yeah. course it all comes back to you. Cause if, um, if you just contribute, you know, first, then everything works. A, you know, a great friend and mentor of mine, Brian Kurt says, you know, contribute to connect. And I was yeah. talking to, um, my fiance, Rachel about that today. And I was like, we were talking about a different situation. I was like, you know, I think this, this lesson applies here. Like if we can help this person understand, like contribute first, and everything else to work out fine, then it's so much easier. But I think <clears throat> maybe this has just been going on. I, I'm sure in some senses this has been going on for thousands of years, but I feel like having grown up without the internet and then the, we have the internet show up and then we have this ability for each individual to broadcast their own perception and their own media story, their own news story, that <clears throat> there's this popular culture around entrepreneurship that people mm -hmm. think is entrepreneurship and they think it's showing off how much you collected or how much you made or the nice house or the nice car. Um, mm -hmm. And because of that, there's, I feel like there's been a loss in the understanding of like value first. If you provide value, you never have to worry about money. If you're always trying to just get money, you'll always worry about money. And it ends up just being like such a, such a shallow existence when we say, Oh, I'm just in it for the money, whether or not we're actually verbally actually articulating that but in our behavior people can always tell what we're actually up to in our behavior right um mm -hmm. and I, you know yeah. i love your your example because i had a client reach out or a, a former client the client who spent a ton of money with over a bunch of years and ended up bringing some stuff in house and their business has really grown and I, I was super happy for them when they said hey we're bringing some marketing in house um but they reached out the other day and said like hey my cpa just quit immediately like I, i'm assuming something happened or whatever and they're like mm. I know, you know, great people. And I was able to connect them to my CPA and like help them out. And I love when people reach out like that, that I've worked with before, or like I coached in the past, or we, you know, we're able to serve and help. Um, and then they, you know, they reach out and they want more help. That's my favorite thing in the world. I always say, thank you so much for reaching out. I, I love being able to give back and help because I, I love yeah, working yeah. with you. And I think it's, I think there's two sides to it. I think with the incorrect perception of what entrepreneurship is, because it's, it's just, there's too much on that you know, flashy, you got to be successful, you got to work 24 seven, like all the noise that we hear there. Mm -hmm. um, that's going on. And then for the people that are watching that, I think it creates an unhealthy perception, like, oh, well, I can't reach out to that person, or I don't know how to ask for help. So we shut down both sides, we're not giving value when we follow the popular path. And then we're not even opening the opportunity for people to ask for help and value. And I remember, um, I was listening to Alex Ramos the other day on his podcast. And he was talking about how he's like, 
sometimes he said, sometimes I've seen like business mentors and coaches and people that have gone before be upset that it was so easy for the next generation to do better. And mm-hmm. he's like, he's like, that's the whole point of blazing the path and hacking your way through the jungle and learning all the lessons is so that everybody has it easier after you. And he's yeah. like, I want everybody to be massively more successful than me. Cause then, then I'll know I've done my job. And so I think there's so much mindset in entrepreneurship. Um, and so I'm curious for you, cause I know, I know you've learned a lot and been through the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur. What are the foundational like mindset habits and principles that you use that keep you steady and keep you consistent and keep you going through the ups and downs because entrepreneurship is not this straight line up to the top. Mm-hmm. It's definitely the ups and downs. And like, if we learn our lessons and if we're humble and patient, eventually we are kind of climbing up. Um, but I, I, again, like I said in the beginning, like you're super intentional in the way you communicate and the way you show up. I'm confident that you have a personal practice or belief or foundational mindsets that you work on to be that way. Cause entrepreneurship is emotional and hard and crazy. And if we don't have that personal, you know, discipline and structure, then we go off the rails everywhere. But what are yeah. your things that you use to ha- help you just show up with that consistency, that kindness and that continuous minds of it, of investment, you know, investing in others. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. Uh, you and I have had, um, conversations in the past several times just through comment threads on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I am uh, heavily influenced by the Judeo-Christian tradition. Uh, Mm -hmm. I've been a disciple of the Messiah, um, popularly known as Jesus. I address him by the Hebrew version of his name, Yeshua, Mm -hmm. um, for 20 years. And you know, in one sense, that can, I think, if somebody's listening or watching, that can sound very sort of formulaic mm-hmm. and all of that. And there is a formulaic, shallow way to interpret it. But as you mentioned at the outset, I I cannot read something like the Bible and then turn my brain off and say, oh, okay, I'll just accept it. Everything that it says is absolutely true 100% of the time. And I, the only thing I can must not do is question it or argue with it or under try to understand it. Yeah, that's that's a you know that that contravenes that's in that's a complete contradiction. First of all, of what the Bible says. Yeah, <laughs> right. But secondly, it's it's a contradiction of my own nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I didn't put myself on this planet. I didn't ask to be born or volunteer or say you know sign a contract or anything. I was inserted here against without my consent. And so I was given the brain that I was given and Mm -hmm. I was born into the circumstances that I was and raised the way I was. Um, I believe all of it for a reason. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I don't want to get way down in like the super deep diving, but I just want to sort of lay a foundation there and say, I study that book, but I don't study it like your average person might do a, you know, perfunctory reading of it or something like that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm analyzing the ancient Hebrew and saying, what does it mean? And if I can't understand it, I'm hanging out with rabbis to find out what it means. Yeah. yeah. So let me try and answer the question <clears throat> using a, a, the verse that basically is the foundational one of my book. Mm-hmm. Because I read this passage and um, Yeshua is speaking, Jesus, and he says... I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. 
so that when it's gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. And I'm like, okay, use worldly wealth. So in other words, he's the first thing he's saying is there is an application. There is a use for having worldly wealth. The sort of conventional unspoken wisdom is that we're supposed to be uh, living below somewhere near the poverty line if we yeah. want to be acceptable Christians, right? Mm -hmm. But here is the Messiah himself saying, no, 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 no. Use worldly wealth for yourselves uh, to gain friends, not for yourselves, to gain friends, right? Yeah. Okay. So I'm out doing what I do, what I teach in the book and what I'm, what I was doing in the insurance business and indeed what I do through to this day. Mm hmm and I'm using resources I have. So sometimes it's worldly wealth. A lot of times it's wealth of relationships, right? I would say that, uh, you know, if you want to join in with that thread you were on and we're talking about the amounts, yeah, I'm not that impressive. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but relationally, I'm a billionaire, right? Mm -hmm. Relationally, I, I have introductions to give to people who are billionaires. I'm surprised yeah. myself sometimes with who I can introduce. Yeah. And then it says to gain friends for yourselves so that when it's gone, you'll be welcomed into eter eternal dwellings. Now, there's a context and a, and a set of circumstances in which he said that. But basically what he's, what he's saying there is as you go about your daily life, the assets that you have are given to you so that you can give them away. And not so that you go hungry as a result. Right. But it's this inversion of what the people on that thread are thinking it's about, right? They're thinking about, oh, I just, yeah, I, I did $50,000 on this deal. What about that? Yeah, well, so did uh, so did Bernie Madoff, <laughs> right? Okay. Yeah. Stephen There's, asked, real quick, what verse is that? I'm curious too. Stephen just asked us. Uh, Luke, uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, verse 9, I want to say. I, I, I only know that by heart because I put it in yeah. the book and I had to yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you. Normally, I'm not good at, at citing the chapter and the verse. I just remember what the words say. Yeah. No. Thank um, you. But you know, he he's he's basically saying, um, if you have worldly wealth, right? He realizes not everybody does, mm -hmm. but if you have it, then there's a reason you have it. Yeah. And so I, when I wake up in the morning, and when I start doing what I do, um, if if he wanted me to have the kind of uh, financial abundance mm -hmm. that I certainly eventually would like to get, but currently don't have, then he would give it to me, but he hasn't. He's given me a relational wealth. Yeah. And he expects me to use it beneficially. And here's, here's, the, here's the kicker, right? We think, okay, well then what does that mean? Does that mean I gotta give, if I got money, I gotta give it away to charity? Uh, you know, it's, it's way simpler than that. Yeah. God is a parent. And you have a, you, I forget how many kids you have, Gabe. Just one, just my son. He's okay, 11. You, yep. You got one. That's right. <laughs> yep. So I have two boys. So you can imagine the degree of combativeness and testosterone soaked. <laughs> yep. <laughs> We're just hitting that stage here. So I know what you mean. So, <laughs> but you can, but you can equally imagine the delight on my face and in my soul when the two cooperate and help each other. Yeah. God is no different, right? He sees one of his children helping another one of his children and it puts a smile on his face. He's like, yeah. that's my boy. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's not complicated. 
but it does require, like I said, an inversion of those priorities and a, and a recognition, a daily reminder, which I find easy to get if you are a person of habits, right? Mm -hmm. Like we, like we'll always say, you know, the morning routine is critical. Well, well, my morning routine involves sometimes up to 90 minutes of sitting there journaling and sticking my nose between the pages of that Bible. Yeah. And I get plenty of reminders. And so it's, it's no longer a mystery to me who I am when I wake up in the morning or as a, as a, as a byproduct of that, how I should behave. You mentioned intentionally, I show up intentionally because I don't have another way. I've rejected all the other ones and I've chosen this one. Yeah. I really like that. And I like what you said too, about being wealthy in relationships that you you're a billionaire in relationships. Um, a lot of people claim to be great networkers claim to have a lot of relationships, just like a lot of people claim to have a lot of money or, you know, claim to have all the flashy things. Um, but it's something that you truly live out and without giving too much away, cause I don't, it's not the, not the main point of this, but I just want to highlight that you really are super effective in that because anybody listening that ever listens to this um, that has ever used an Apple product, you introduced me to the, the voice of Apple. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> and I'll leave it there because it's, I mean, it's, that is what it is, but like, but that's like you, you connect with people. They can tell that you're genuine. You can tell that they, you really want to um, help them and serve them and no strings attached. You said, Oh, like, you know, Gabe, Gabe can help you with what, you know, with what, uh, with what this individual was working on. And it, I've realized the same thing. Like you don't have to have any specific status to be a decent human and try to help others. And when you show up that way, it's super attractive. <laughs> it's super beneficial to everybody. And it's, you know, it just, it changes things. And, um, and the other byproduct of that, at least for me, and I'm, I'd be shocked if you don't agree is like, I don't think there's anything better than giving to other people. I think it's the mm -hmm. the highlight of my life is to be able to teach somebody something, to be able to give when I can give financially, to give my time. Um, I don't think there's anything more rewarding than that. Like, and I've had a lot of different experiences in life, you know, good and bad and challenging and, you know, great. And it's like, there's nothing more rewarding than I, I've, I've never, I probably never read that verse that way, or, you know, haven't read it in so long that I forget it, but that was such a, an awesome reminder of like, use everything you have for good to help mm -hmm. other people. And like the rest of it will work out fine. And, and that's something that you, that you really live out. And it's something that I admire about you. And when I look at business, um, I, I always remind myself and my team. And when I'm coaching other people, when I do, I do a little bit of business coaching still. And it's like, we're in the business of solving problems. So when there's a problem, that's great news. Like that's the best thing that can happen to us today because it means, yeah. oh, like we can show up and serve. We can find a solution. Maybe we have the solution or maybe I don't have the solution. I'm like, oh, you got to go talk to Paul about that because I know he'll either have the solution or be able to help you. Mm -hmm. And when we show up that way, talk about being fulfilled. And I, I love your question in the beginning. It's awesome. Um, and, and like my soul is in a good place because I made a big intentional shift beginning this year of like, I accomplished some personal things that had to happen and some challenges and some things I was going through. Um, and then I was in this season of like, man, like things are pretty stable. Uh, maybe I have amassed some connections and, you know, some millions, I haven't gotten to the billions or anything like that yet, but you know, I've amassed some wealth, you know, and, and, and anybody honestly listening to this that has a screen and internet connection is wealthier than a good portion of the world. So you have yeah, ability yeah. to give back. It doesn't matter what, what your bank account says. Um, 
But I just said, you know what? I want to shift and I want to give. I want to help people that really need it with the skills that I have, the ways I can teach. And so by making a small shift, not that I wasn't doing any of that before, but by just kind of realigning my time and my investment and budgeting my time and resources towards it, it's, this has been one of the best years of my life. That I've been the happiest, the most fulfilled and felt like, oh, like I'm living in my purpose. And it came from like, part of that is introspection and looking in and understanding who we are. But the real joy and the real wealth comes from just giving and giving to others and not worrying about what's in it for me. Um, yeah. And I feel like I've learned that a new way or at the next level every few years. And it's so that's such a such an important lesson. And around that, <clears throat> um, was there ever a time where you didn't believe that and you kind of had to come to that realization? Or was there a time where you doubted that? but you decided to push through and still just live out what you knew to be true and, and it worked out or what, what have been your doubts around that or what have been the challenges around that belief for you? If any, I think the main problem I I've had the, I feel like I've had the right attitude for a long period of time, mm -hmm. but you know, Gabe, from your business expertise that you can have the right attitude and still be very, poorly positioned yeah very uh sort of um awkward communicating mm -hmm. what that value is <laughs> definitely <laughs> and i think I, I i would say that um in you know from when i got fired from my last insurance job Mm -hmm. to the time when people began to pay me for ghostwriting. Mm -hmm. There was an interim there of really just not st struggling to just even make one penny. Yeah. And I got discouraged numerous times. But by this time, right, I'm nearly two decades into my faith. I'm like, I can't, there's no other way that I can do this. It's got to, it's got to go forward somehow. Yeah. And when I finally, when it, when the fever finally broke and opportunities came up and, you know, I went in six weeks, I went from literally making nothing to having a five figure business. Yeah. Um, I was able to, you know, you get some kind of clarity and you look back and the first thing I realized was that I have this gift with the written word and I'm not offering it to the marketplace. Yeah. I'm offering something that I think they want. <laughs> Yeah. Based on what I watch others do that I think I want to do too. When I when I actually got into the behind the scenes look at what those people that I thought I wanted to be like, what they have to do behind the scenes, I'm like, I don't want any part of this at all. No kidding. <laughs> so there's it's a world of illusions, right? That's a that's another um far reaching biblical concept that goes back, you know, stretches back through the millennium. Yeah. And um it's a world of illusions and maturity does a lot to counteract that. But mm -hmm. in order to get to maturity, we have to commit consent to a process of unbecoming our old selves so that we can become the man we're meant to be or the woman you're meant to be. Yeah. And for me, uh, I would say that there were plenty of moments where I said, well, I'm giving all of this, value but i'm not receiving nothing's coming back to me and you know if i if i'd been a little bit smarter i would have paid attention to how my wife does christmas shopping yeah <laughs> because 
right from the get-go we've been married 18 years right from the get-go she said you're not doing the christmas shopping <laughs> good plan right <laughs> you were you were here is a list of what you're going to go buy and you're going to go buy it and then and then i'm going to act surprised <laughs> same thing here it works great i love it <laughs> so we have we have this we have the running joke now, right? I put yeah. on the on the label to Shannon from Shannon, right? <laughs> Just to mess with her. Yeah. But um, but you know, she what she was saying is I want certain things, and if you get them, if you offer them to me, I will accept them happily. If you yeah. go out and try to make up for me what I want, I'm probably gonna not probably she will send it back. Yeah. And so it's exactly the same principle, right? You offer people what they actually want in that spirit of giving and generosity yeah. and you'll find plenty of momentum. Yeah. Get off that track in either direction, either, either develop the wrong motives, greed, mm -hmm. pride, you know, all those kind of things or good hearted person, but you just, you, you're tone deaf, right? You don't, you can't, you can't read the tea leaves. You can't see what the problem is. You can't solve it. And then you're, you're not much good to them. You're a nice person, but you're not much good to them. Yeah. That's really, really wise and a really great example because there's so many times looking back now, this is probably why I'm also having my best year ever <laughs> because there's so many times in the past where I'd be like, oh, I know better what that person needs or I know what I should sell them or I'm, I'm clearly the smartest person on the planet. So I'll make up the offer based on what I think they need. And once I finally realized like, just give people what they want and everything is so much easier and yeah. it, it humbled me in a good way. And I was like, and then everything just started working way better. And I, I've even had seasons where I've drifted off of that unintentionally and I have to come back and go, Oh, what, what do people actually want? Cause it changes. You know, yeah. I always use the example, you know, from the marketing perspective, but this is just across the board, the same lesson of like, I believe it was the seventies and GM was trying to advertise safety for their vehicles. They're like, Oh, this is what people need. It was GM or Ford. I forget one of the big, one of the big auto companies. They're like, we're going to be the safest car in the market. We're going to advertise. And they spent in today's dollars, a billion dollars to advertise how safe their cars were. And none of them sold. Yeah. And then they were like, Oh, people still just want a super fast car. And they switched back and they started making money. And today, yeah. if you watch any car commercial or almost any, it's all about safety. There's safety yeah. rating because people do want a safe car now, but it's, yeah. it's foolish of us to think, Oh, I know what the market wants. I'm the expert. I know everything about this. So I'm going to tell people what they should buy for me. Um, and I have yeah. this conversation a lot with other entrepreneurs and I'm like, put aside whatever you think, because you and I are both wrong. I can guarantee you we're both wrong. All we have to do is say, what does the market want? Well, let's just give them what they want. And sometimes I think, I also think the cases where we need to meet people with their wants. And then when we have the relationship and when we've, we've served them with the initial want, then we can deliver them what they need because sometimes they're different. But there's oh, no, yeah. it, there's like, it's never going to be a smooth process or and virtually never successful. If we just say, you need this. And so get this, like nobody wants to be told what to do. Number one. <laughs> um, oh. And you don't actually know somebody else's needs and especially not their wants as well as they do. And so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's incredibly wise. And what a, what a great analogy and example of, cause I do the same thing. Rachel will be like, here's what I want for Christmas. And like, I get a list or like, I get a few things, you know, a few months before Christmas. And I'm like, awesome. I know exactly what to get. And she'll love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that I can't be creative at all or offer other things, but she gives me the whole framework of here's, here's the things I want. Here's, here's what I need. And, and then it's great. Um, and I think that we're, I think that not doing that 
comes from ignorance and pride or some combination of that. Because if, if I think I know better than you, what you want and what you need, the odds of it working out long-term are just, it's not, not there. So I, I think that's incredibly wise and what a, what a great example. Well, particularly if people are busy telling you what they want and what they need, True. That's, yeah. that's the worst part. <laughs> you could excuse prior generations because, you know, you had to go right. through focus groups and do all that kind of stuff. And it was, it was time consuming work. Yeah. But you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working my way through trying to get more sophisticated on my position. Literally was doing it this morning. Mm -hmm. And, um, the question was, what do your clients actually value from mm -hmm. your, your, from working with you? Yeah. And I, and I realized I don't have to call them up or ask them to get on calls because they've already recorded testimonials. I just need to go back and watch the testimonials. They're on my YouTube channel. <laughs> no kidding. You know? So, <laughs> and the funny thing is, you know, you would think that this occurs to a guy like me naturally. Why? Because I'm busy putting together webinars with uh, my new business partner where yep. we're talking about many things, but one of them is the process of writing a book. And we're encouraging people, in fact, telling them, before you even make a single keystroke on that book, you need to do some research so yeah. that you understand who you're writing to, you mm -hmm. know, what are their pain points and arguments and hesitations and frustrations and all that kind of thing, so that somewhere in that copy, you have what uh, my partner Jason calls a hell yeah moment. Yeah. And I'm like, I've had a hell yeah moment before. I have occasionally been on the on the on the uh, receiving end of a really good marketing message that literally touched me right where I was in the moment. Yeah. So that it was a so that it was painfully obvious what the solution was. Mm -hmm. And I never hesitated about buying. And I started with a forty seven dollar product and ended up paying fifteen hundred a month at one point. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so. Uh, so anyway, I, I mean, I, you know, I go down the rabbit hole there. I know you got other questions, but particularly when, when people are telling you what they're after mm -hmm. and you have a sincere heart, you have two thirds of the equation. Now the third part is, can you actually solve their problem or help them? Right. Um, and this, and, and you can always lean on what we talked about, which is that you can, if you can't solve the problem, but you're a relational billionaire, then in a way you sort of can, it's just right. not you who does it. Right. So. And you're still, I will always remember that you connected me with that person. Like I'll always remember that. And I always remember the people that connect me. So you're, you're not only providing value, but you're inserting like a permanent marker in people's minds and lives of like, Oh, this is somebody that provided a ton of value to me. And it's, to it's just natural and normal that I want to reciprocate that and help you. Like it just, it's a normal process. And yeah. I love what you just pointed out because I have three books on Amazon, two, which are not worth reading. Uh, and I wrote them. Um, you too. Then, huh? Yeah. And, and probably, and plenty of half started books that nobody should ever even open or consider reading. Um, but the, when I wrote um, atomic words, it actually was from a place of like, man, I keep having these conversations with other entrepreneurs where they're struggling to communicate. I keep having these conversations where people aren't getting their heart and their message across and so i actually wrote it to help people solve the problems that i had heard about and so the book was much more successful than you know the others that sold five copies or i don't know if they even sold five <laughs> but, um, and uh, a friend of mine andrew cap he wrote a book recently um 
called How to Sell 100,000 Copies of Your Book, or I think that's the title. He always has really nice but really long titles, so I don't always get them straight. Yeah. And he's in the whole in the secret of the book, which he builds up to in a great way, um, is serve the reader. Wow, magical! And he's yeah. I think he's sold. He, I think he's probably approaching a quarter million books sold for one of his books because he said every day I woke up and said, "How do I serve the reader?" When I was writing it, and then after he published it, he said, "How do I serve the reader every day for everybody that read it?" And like yeah. imagine imagine that concept. <laughs> Just, just, just tell people. <laughs> and he knows how to do that. A shout out to the cap. He and I have been friends for a while too. I, and not surprising, you and I tend to traffic among the same people. So yeah, yeah. brilliant. Yeah, good brilliant. Man. Yep. And his other book, since we're talking about his books, is called um, "The Last Law of Attraction" book you'll ever need to read, which is one of my all-time yep. favorite books that I recommend to everybody. Um, and so, what I love about what what I know about what you do in your business, Paul, and we've talked about this a little bit because we're, I think we're more on the you know kind of friendship relationship side than the business side so far um even though we've done a little bit of business and talked some things there i'm excited to learn about your process of how you help people write books because i know for me um there's so much value in a book one is it really does help you stand out above the crowd because you have the opportunity to serve so many more people and even if you i think my book's like 160 pages or something it's not incredibly long for a book but that takes a ton of effort I and mean, it takes mm -hmm. a ton of ton of work, especially if you're writing yourself. And if you have never written a book, then even if you have value to provide and you can serve people with your information, the technicality of writing a book, figuring out how to get it published, knowing how to write, there's a huge difference between speaking and writing. Um, even though it's good to write in the same tone and style that you speak, it's completely different because I you know, talk on and on and run on sentences probably, but you can't really write that way. Um, yeah. And so the value that somebody gets from a book because they can serve more people and how it really does elevate and position them, it's such a huge asset, even in today's world where, you know, all things digital and, you know, all of that, there's, there's so many different channels, but even in just publishing a book that I'm actually proud of this time, and I, I really designed to serve and help people, um, it's so rewarding to get an email back and say, man, I read your book and like, it was super helpful to me. And it's, yeah. it's so rewarding to be able to just ship a book off as a gift to somebody because I know it'll help them. Um, yep. or even just as a thank you. And so tell me about your business and what you guys are doing now and how you help people really take that next big step in in serving others and serving their network and their audience and the people that they want to impact. Yeah, I, uh, I like the way you frame that, Gabe, because um, a book is, a, it, it, I'm just testing this. I'm just, like first time market testing this language on yeah. somebody who is a great <laughs> friend, also happens to be a target client, you know, for... Yep. <laughs> um, it is a token of the depth that you bring to the subject you write about. That's, that's a, a, a phrase that just popped into my mind as I listened to you talk about it. It's a, it's a, you know, you, it's a, it's a, it's a, a tangible demonstration of the length you're willing to go. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, to understand, communicate, teach, uh, disseminate important information. Yeah. And, and that of course, like anything, can, so is mind Kampf, right? Anything can be used for good or evil. Right. But, right. but my point is in, the, in this context, right. Um, it shows, and that's why like, you know, you'll get people who, um, <laughs> I've had people say, you know, you wrote a book. Yes, I did. Can I have a copy? Absolutely. Then they never read it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Plenty of that happens too, unfortunately. But 
it's ironic, but it doesn't diminish the altered perception that it creates of the author to the reader. Yeah. And that's what I think is there's an, there's a degree of authority and credibility that come with doing this. Mm -hmm. Now you talk about the, you know, you're curious about the process, the process, I think that, um, really appeals to our clients from the research I was just doing this morning on those YouTube videos over and over again is, is summed up. I actually wrote down these words, um, that reson and if these resonate with you, then that means, you know, you're, mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're jiving with it. Right. So yeah. emissary, steward, listener, interpreter, amplifier. Mm. Yeah. Um, now th there's other ways, there's other ways to skin this cat. If you're working with us, we are a faithful emissary. So this, whatever, whatever you end up publishing, it looks like, it sounds like it reads like you wrote it. Yeah. Uh, we don't want credit. We don't want the with credit. You know, right. I'm, not, I'm not disparaging that. I'm just saying we right. don't do it. Mm -hmm. um, we want our clients to appear consistent with, because that's their message, right? So that yeah. it's it's not like we're making it up or, mm -hmm. you know, we, we have influence on it, no doubt, but we don't, we don't make right. it up. Um, we're, we're stewards of it. We're, extremely conscientious and attentive to details. Our editing process is multi-layered. Our deadlines, we never miss them. You know, it's it's like we we say, we, you will be ready to go into publishing in 90 to 120 days. And yeah, um, if we include the publishing, it's more like, you know, four to six months total, but right. um, the, the listener part of it, right? You have to be able to sit there like a Zen monk and sit absolutely silent and let somebody's stream of consciousness come out even if it's rambling even if it's incoherent yeah. you can always go back and listen to the recording yep <laughs> as you write but you yeah. can't be interrupting you can't be domineering you can't be you got to let that person talk and you got to know questions that get them talking yeah that's the secret um, for sure <laughs> interpretation right that's another thing is like many authors are are self-aware enough to know that i understand what i'm talking about but will the reader understand it yeah and we question that all along right i i've had a couple authors say thank you so much for forcing me to explain myself in a way that my reader will not get confused or bored or you know think yeah. they're listening to a highbrow academic lecture etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah and this is my favorite part, the amplification. So, hmm. um, so some of our clients have said to me, I like to think through what I'm going to write out loud. And when I send it to you, it's like a game of volley. Um, it's like a volley in tennis, right? Yeah. You hit it back, but you, but you don't just hit back what I said. You hit back what I said, <laughs> spun up with your perspective on it. Yeah. So that all of a sudden it expands the universe of my thinking. And so that's why I say we're influential on the message. Some of what actually gets in there is stuff that we come up with, but we're coming up with it to support or to enhance what the author's saying. So, you know, that's my favorite part is just the back and forth, the dialogue that creates this synergy, this um, clash, not clash is not the right word, but this merging of spiritual forces that are better together than they are in silos. So, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if that does the, 
the best job of explaining it. There's more technical, more nuts and bolts yeah. stuff we could add to it, but that's how I would no, summarize it. I love it. I think that's great. And and that's a pretty that's a pretty fast timeline. And and to have the confidence and the integrity, like you said, of like we don't miss our deadlines, we're able to stay on schedule. That is unique in the book space on all fronts. Um, so that's really admirable and awesome. And so four to six months, if they do the whole publishing process with you, what's their, that's obviously the timeline and work and back and forth. I'm curious what the time, the hours investment from a client is with you, because I know from writing the book myself and going through, I, through a series of wonderful lessons and maybe unfortunate events, but it all ended up good in the end. I decided to go the traditional publishing route and learned a ton and won't do that again. And ended up self-publishing at the end again, which was a story for a different day, but regardless of what path I would have taken, it was super time consuming. And I have a team mm -hmm. that helps me and like, I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I wrote it alone and then I, ha I have an editors and like all that, but it, it's time consuming. So the other thing we've touched on in some of our quick conversations that we've had, you know, over, over time here is that it seems like it's pretty time efficient as far as hours that I have to put in as a client if I work with you. So I'm curious, just touch on that for a minute. Oh yeah. Um, we just started a new project with a client and uh, so we'll be done with that early February at the latest. And he's committed to an hour a week of being on Zoom. Nice. Um, it just doesn't take us that long, right? We we come to it prepared. We 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 because my team doesn't just do the writing; they do a bunch of research of our own. Mm -hmm. So we know we have some idea. Combining what the client tells us with what the market says out in places like Answer the Public and all that, we do that research and we say, okay, mm -hmm. what do people want to know? Because then if we know what they want to know, we can frame the questions in the interviewing easily. Yeah. This is what the people want to know. So what's your answer to this? What's your story about this? Um, the other thing we do that I think is helpful is, um, you know, uh, uh, John Maxwell had this 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 quote, he said, never make a point without telling a story and never tell a story without making a point. Yeah. And so our philosophy has always been to treat it like a, like you would have before and after photo. There was, there was this, then this happened. And then there, and now it's like this, right? Yeah. There was dysfunctional, not working, ineffective, failure, struggle, pain, sorrow, blah, 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 blah. That's how it was before. Yeah. Then I learned this key principle in the middle. I, I adapted to it. I accepted it. I made myself one with it. And now look at me, right? Now yeah. I'm the expert. Now I can show you, point you to all kinds of cases where we get this right. Mm -hmm. And uh, inside baseball lingo, that's called the open loop. But basically it's, it's like a print before and after. Mm -hmm. And when you tell stories like that, you can still teach people, here's what you should do. But they're, by that time, they're so engulfed in the drama of your story going from, you know, going from a negative to a positive that, that, that they're yeah. going to absorb it naturally and it's not, they're not going to clash with it. Yeah. So anyway, that's, that's a, maybe a little bit more. Bottom line is, yeah, we can do stuff like that in an hour a week uh, mm -hmm. for, you know, for the first couple of weeks. And then we get stuck in the writing and from then on it's check-ins. So again, but it's still just once a week, right? We're still yeah. just going over each piece. We're going over it meticulously. We ourselves are editing it. It's in Google Docs. You can make edits during the week. You can set aside time when you have time yeah. to work on it. But we don't need more than about an hour a week throughout that process. So it sounds like an hour a week for like 12 to 
16 weeks at the longest, maybe. Is that accurate? Yep. Nice. Yeah, that's way, way faster than doing it on your own. I can tell you that, as I'm sure you know, because you wrote your own book too. Um, yeah, it's it's so amazing when we bring in the right support and experts in their space, how much more we can amplify our message, how much more we can serve others. And, um, and having, having that in process being intensive in the results and the output that comes out of it, but not intense or challenging in the step-by-step means that you're serving, you know, these authors are serving their readers in such a better way, because even as I look at, you know, we all go back and look at our work and go, oh, I could have changed this or done better. In the middle of this process, you are challenging and supporting and helping and refining and developing the ideas more. And that is, you know, just getting your thoughts out is a ton of work. And then going back and making it more powerful, that's truly what powerful editing is about. And so um, I, it sounds like an amazing process. Um, and I, I can tell that you're just, you're super intentional as you are in all areas of your life and how you how you show up and serve these authors. Um, so it's iterative too. I, just yeah. one thing I wanted to add to that. Yeah. Is it, it's, um, you go back over it. And, and sometimes, right, what I've encouraged clients to say is, um, remember that the Bible is not comprehensive. Yeah. Right. Point. <laughs> There's plenty of stuff. The Bible has nothing to say about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that doesn't mean that there's nothing whatsoever to say about it. That just means it doesn't say it in the Bible. And it's the yeah. glory of man to search out mm-hmm. what that, uh, you know, to what, what that is. So that's why we have the commentary and the sages yeah. and, and all that throughout the, throughout the centuries. But I say what I, what I try to get, across to clients there is we have a deadline past which I can't go without, you know, I need more, more money, which I don't want to, I don't want to talk about that. I mean, I want you done on time. (laughs) Yeah. Be comfortable with a great job that years later you look back on it and say, eh, I could have done this differently. I could, and that's okay. Right. right? We're always living, breathing stories, growing, (laughs) changing. None of us are going to be exactly the same five years from now as we are today. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's just a, there is a point where you have to be comfortable with saying it's good enough. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Well, I really appreciate the time and the wisdom today, Paul, um, where we'll definitely have you back on and, you know, in six months to a year and see what else, what else you've been up to and all the great things you're working on. Um, where would you like people to connect with you? How can they learn more about what you're up to and follow you and, and obviously work with you if they're ready to write a book? Yeah. Thanks for that. Quickest beeline to me is on LinkedIn or Facebook. Um, I go by the handle meet Paul Edwards, M E E T. And uh, coincidentally, I um, managed to actually put up a landing page. Can you believe it, Gabe? I've, I actually put up a landing page. I know how that goes. Meetpauledwards.com. <laughs> awesome. And, um, and there, anybody who subscribes and I'm, I'm not a frequent emailer, so don't, don't worry about that. But uh, anybody who subscribes, if they want, there's a free digital copy of my book, Influencer Networking Secrets, that you can download uh, awesome. when you when you subscribe. So if you want to do that, um, by all means, knock yourself out. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Paul. I love hanging out with you and spending time together. I uh, appreciate all the wisdom and everything you shared today. Um, you, everyone can go to meetpauledwards.com. Um, I definitely highly recommend you do that, no matter what you choose to do or if you have a book in you. You do have a book in you. I know that. Um, But if you're ready to produce that book or not, I would encourage you to connect with Paul because I I know he'll add a ton of value to your life. Um, So thank you for being here today, Paul. And we will talk to you again soon. Thanks for having me, my friend. Great to be here. 